0: We're going to be in your feet. We're going to be all over the Bible, but what? Oh. <laughs> I did. I didn't I didn't prepare. I needed that whiteboard because the Lord has laid something on me, and I want to lay it on you. Good? We're good? All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts today. We're going to be talking about the gifting of the Holy Spirit through the ascension, the crucifixion, and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ which enables the Holy Spirit to come to us so that we may be able to do great and mighty things, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify our Father who is in heaven, to glorify the the Son of God who is God come in the flesh, to glorify Him. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding that surrounds the, the gifts of the Spirit. And so I want to address some of those today. I will start out on the front end saying that You don't need to take my word for it. Now, I am the one that has been put over you to teach you and to lead you and preach to you and guide you in the word of of the Lord. But Paul very distinctly says that the Bereans were more noble than the rest because they went back and checked behind him. Look, I am under submission. I am under the authority of the word of God. And what I do is, is that I go into the scriptures and I read and I study and I look at other people, what they have read and said, but I go into the scriptures and I read and I study and I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to me what is the truth, because the truth is what will set us free. So what I want to do for you today is I want to show you what God has been showing me and we will simply believe what the Bible says, okay? Okay. I'm not here to set forth what I believe, okay? I'm here to show you what the text says. I'll show you a couple of different positions, and I will tell you what other people seem to think, uh, but that doesn't matter. What matters is, you all right? What matters is, okay, get it in the light there. Good idea. Whoop! All right, go ahead. You want to go on over some more? Okay. We'll get situated. It's okay. Thank you, Terry. Um... What we want to do is put forth what the Bible says. Now, the Bible is as clear as it needs to be. Okay? God's not the author of confusion, but also his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. If you could understand every aspect of the mind of God, you would be? Right. So we should expect some, not confusion, but some mystery. And you need to be okay with that. Okay? Because you're not going to understand everything. You're not going to understand all the ins and outs. We could talk all day about doctrines and about things of the Bible that we just need to believe because the Bible says that they're true. Now, I'm not telling you to have a blind faith and just go in. There are plenty of proofs that the Word of God is true, that Christ is God, the Son of God. What I'm saying is that there are some things that are too big for our small minds, and one day they'll be revealed, but it may not be today, and you you will get a clearer and clearer picture as you go throughout your Christian walk and as you grow up into the Lord, into the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. So, what I want to do today is I want to set forth some things about gifts because last week we talked about the purpose of the church was to what? Equip the saints for what? For the work of the ministry, right? Right? So that we would all grow up until we reach that fullness of faith, until we reach the fullness of faith and knowledge, and until we reach the fullness of the stature or the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ, the fullness of Christ. And so The purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body until we all reach this united faith which ultimately is there to glorify Christ. So the the number one goal of the church is to what? Glorify Christ, okay? But the means by which we do that is what? To equip the church for the building up of its body, okay? So what we are called to do is to in Christ be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to present ourselves as living sacrifices before God that he might use us to reach those that are not been, have not been reached yet in order that he might be glorified the most because you see you need to think about this to go out and evangelize the world I'm not telling you you're supposed to do this because you're supposed to do this why should we go out and evangelize the world why should we go out and spread the good news of the gospel why should we do that what's the ultimate goal of why we should do that The number one goal of why we should do that is because he is worthy of their praise. We are called to worship God and enjoy him forever, okay? To glorify God is our number one cause, and to enjoy him forever. Right behind that is that we are supposed to call others to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our number one goal is to get as many people to worship him as possible because he's ultimately the goal. There is no other goal. There is no, well, this is what you need to be doing, blank, blank, blank. Your goal is to glorify God, to glorify Christ in everything that you do and say. Your goal is to glorify God. Now, we talked about the purpose of the church. I want to talk today, the title of today's message is The Means to the End. What I want to talk about is what, what is the way that the church reaches its purpose in glorifying God by equipping the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body. How is, the, how is he doing this, okay? Now, the Bible is a very large book, and it's very, very, very deep, and I'm learning new things every day. It blows my mind every time I get into it. And I've heard some people say, and I've even felt like this before, is that I can't really study the Bible anymore because I feel like I've read everything that it has to say already. The problem with that is, is that you're stupid for saying that, Okay? <laughs> All right, this is the unsearchable riches of God, okay? Everything that needs to be known about God can be found right here. And if you say, well, I've already read it, and I, can't, I think I understand it, then you've not probed the depth. See, there is length, and and, and there is, and there is some, some breadth to it, some depth. There, there's a little bit of this, but you may have a surface level, maybe of all, all, a lot of the doctrines that are in the Scriptures. But I promise you, you've not, you've not dove in deep to any of them with perspective. Okay? So what I want to do today is I want to speak with you about your about your purpose, about your e- equipping, about how Christ is desiring to use you to reach the purpose of the church. So, no one in here gets to sit in here and say, "Oh, that was a great message. That felt so fluffy inside." No. Everybody in here after today should be saying this. Man, I need to find out my purpose. I'm not being used like God wants me to be used, or I need to be used more like God wants me to be used. I need to figure out how it is that God has equipped me. I figure out, I need to figure out how is it that the Lord has equipped me and gifted me That I might be part of the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body. Am I in a place right now where I am being equipped or am I in a place right now where I am equipping? And you will always be equipped, okay, because Christ is unsearchable. We just discussed that. We just established that is that you're never going to reach. Paul even himself said, I have not arrived, okay? I have not arrived. So you will always be growing and you will always be being equipped. There will always be someone that can pour into you. The question is, are you pouring into someone? Are you being used to build up the body? Are you being used to equip the saints? Are you being used in order to bring glory to God to the utmost, to your absolute full potential? Are you being used? And if you're not, if you've not reached your full potential, if you've not, if you've not been growing, why not? See, I think a lot of the times we think that it surrounds us and a church exists for us to love on us, to, to coddle us, and to baby us. And, you know, the church does encourage those that are inside of it. But it's only to equip them for the work of the ministry. You come in here to get recharged, not because you're the God who we serve. No, you come in here to get recharged so that you can go back out for the God that we serve. It's not about you you got to get that through your head, and so do I. It is not about you. It is about him. And if you're coming here for the sole purpose of you, then you're an idolater, and you're taking away from the church but not giving back to the church. I don't even say this because this is the church that I lead, and you need to pour into it because we need you to pour. I don't even say that. If you go somewhere else, and I'm not telling you to leave, but if you go somewhere else, don't go suck the life out of that church either. Be a tool in the hand of the Lord to build up and whittle away at those things that shouldn't be there. I hear people say, well, I can't go to that place it's filled with hypocrites. Well, join the party. I hear people leave churches because, well, this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. Now, sometimes there's a reason to leave a church. If the, if the pastor enters into heresy, if there's, if there's false doctrine being preached, if it's if, if things like that, okay, get out. You don't need that breathed into your life. But I hear people say, i got to get out of that church because of, and it's some problem that they could be part of the solution. And I'm thinking, all you're going to do is go find another problem with the church. Why don't you be part of the solution instead instead of exasperating the problem or growing the problem by leaving? That's one less person that we have that could have been used to fix that problem. Today, I want you to think about how has God gifted me to build up the body and am I allowing him to do so? Am I submitting? You don't like that word. I know you don't like that word. Am I submitting to the authority, to the leadership of God's men and God himself as I seek to know my place in the grand scheme of things and how God would use me to build up his body? With all that in mind, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we exalt you. I have to say with, the, with, with our worship pastor, with, with Wes, I have to say that I agree. I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, right now I pray that you would equip us to understand what is being said today. I pray that you would give me and grant me an even greater portion of the gift of teaching. God, that I might properly put on display you and all of your glory. Lord God, hide me behind the cross. This is not about me, and if it become about me, you strike me down. It's about you and you alone. And we pray today that your name and your name alone would be highly exalted, that you alone would be manifested among these people, that you would draw into yourself a people, and that you, would, you would purify them with the washing of the words, that you might present your bride absolutely blameless, absolutely pure. Lord God, equip us even this morning to go out and to be a massive force a massive force against which the gates of hell will not prevail. Help us, God, as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 4, but we're going to move around just a little bit. So uh, could I get someone to bring me a, is this unopened? All right, never mind. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4 a little bit last week in kind of a general sense Today I want to get a little bit deeper uh, but I want to move around the Bible a little bit to help you to understand some things that I've been understanding and uh, w- to do that we're going to look at several different scriptures. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, go back one a little bit, Ephesians 4, uh, 7 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 and verse 28 there and then Romans 12, 3 through 9. I want to kind of look at these to give you a general sense of what the giftings are that the Lord has blessed us with uh, through his ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit. How are we to understand these gifts and are all the gifts still in operation today? So that's a big question, right? Uh, So a lot of people believe that only some of the gifts are in operation today and other gifts have ceased. Uh, Namely, most everyone agrees with either one or two camps, either all the gifts are still in operation or either some of the gifts are not in operation, namely the sign gifts, which are gifts of healings, gifts of miracles, gifts of tongues, and gifts of interpretation. Those are the four main ones that people uh, generally say, if they believe that way, that they have ceased, they ceased with the apostles. But we want to dig in a little bit and say, okay, I understand that a lot of people believe that way. Got to give a little respect to the argument, but we got to dig into the scripture and say, okay, what proof exists for to prove that or to disprove that? So how should you believe about what the Bible teaches? Now some would say, well, I just feel like this, and I feel like this, I feel like this. That's all well and good for discussion, but for right now, we're just going to open up the Bible, and we're going to say, what does the Bible say? And then we're going to say, I may not understand it all, but that's what I believe, because that's the Bible. Amen? Can we agree on that? Yeah. Amen. All right, let's get into the Word of God. So, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, let's look at uh, verse, we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1, I really start in, stop in verse 8. I therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's pretty important right there. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. Now, just real quick, does that, does that seem like it's saying that it's that it's given to a certain person, just one? No, but to each one, to each one. Okay, let's, let's go, let's keep going, there's lots more. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And he gave gifts to men. Uh, In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that that's where I'm going to stop right there for now, okay? That we might reach, okay, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so as we read this scripture and as we say, God, what is it that you would have me to understand? Now, you and I need to be on the same level. That which we are looking for is what is the Lord teaching me, teaching you Through his holy scriptures, which is true in every way, which is infallible, it's absolutely inerrant, the word of God is true, so we look at the word of God and we say, what would you have me to understand through this scripture that would effectively change what I'm doing or would push me farther into what I'm doing? What do I need to learn from this and what do I need to change because of what it implies and what it presses onto my life? You and I are both under submission in the authority of the word of God, which is Christ himself in written form. We need to understand the word and then implement it into our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to write it onto our hearts and change who we are. Don't leave this place today saying, well, that was a good word from the preacher. No. You leave this place in tears, broken, or with smiles because the Lord is working in your life and you're seeing Him and you've learned the Word from the Lord and you want to do better for the Lord. You want to seek the Lord as you inspire, as you aspire to be who He's called you to be, as He has called you to equip the church, build up the body for the work of the ministry. We need to say, Lord, how should this impact my life? Do it and do it now because this is the work of the Lord. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we start out here. Let me get to the right place. The means to the end. Why would I entitle it "The Means to the End"? And what we're going to highlight here is He gave gifts to men's with, to men. Men's He gave gifts to men's. He gave gifts to men. Okay. This this is uh, this is Ephesians four eight the last, later part of that verse. So we'll call it eight b. What he's saying here is that he gave gifts. to to men, he'll go on to say, as he descended, he ascended so that he might fill all things. He gave some to be apostles, right, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and then teachers. So he gave gifts to men for, to the, to the means of, or for the purposes of, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body, so that we all might attain the unity and the fullness of faith and knowledge that we might be all in all in Christ, okay? We've established that. So what then should we believe about ourselves and what should we believe about the gifts that God has given? Now this is not an exhaustive list by any means. And so this is where I am. We have in this passage right here, we have here the five main giftings or the higher gifts. Okay, now I'm going to show you why I call these the higher gifts in another passage. We have here the higher gifts that are used by Christ and given by Christ to accomplish the work of building the church to the glory of God. Now, let me establish something real quick. By higher gifts, I do not in any way mean that those who are given these gifts as opposed to other gifts should think more highly of themselves than they ought because we'll find that that's not right either. But what he's saying here is that we should all... We should all desire those gifts that are more useful for the building up of the body and for the equipping of the saints, okay? So I'm not saying that if you have one gift, you have another gift, you are better or you're higher or you're greater than another. No, that's what I'm, not what I'm saying. The Bible clearly teaches against that. We can't all be noses. We can't all be eyes. Some of us are feet and some of us are pinky toes. But everybody is useful to the Lord and is gifted as the Lord sees fit, Okay? Not all are one thing or another thing, but all are important in the economy of God, okay? So you need to take whatever gift it is that you've got and understand that the Lord has as much for you as he has for any other gifting in the body. They work together to make one, okay? So, but these here are the main giftings of the scriptures that we can find, and this is actually um, evidenced in another place too, and we will go to that. So we have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. These are those who proclaim the Word of God in the building of the body. They organize the church. They put things together. They lead people. They prophesy. They give words. They go and reach people. These are the things that all of us should desire to have, uh, an ability to teach the Word of God, an ability to, on whatever level that might be. You may not ever get up here, and you may not ever do this, but at your workplace, you should strive to be able to properly and easily explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's not, because of this platform that somebody would get saved or trained, but it's the it's the power of the Word of God that is into salvation. It is the Word of God that doesn't return void. If I was to get up here and give great motivational speeches, I might draw a crowd, but never would I effectively be used to change someone's eternal state. It's the Word of God that goes forth. You also are called to be a vessel that carries the Word of God, the great diamond of the faith, That would be the power of God to transform someone's life. So what I want to do now is I want to show you the other gifts that are found in the scriptures. Uh, Basically, they are found in a couple different places. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 and verse 28, well, really 27 through 31. And Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 9. Now, you can write those down. Go back and look at them later. We'll have them up here as well. Uh, basically, Christ gave these gifts when he ascended and sent the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit brings and empowers and works these gifts through us. The, now, this is what I want to say. And this is kind of a preliminary to what I'm about to say. What you need to understand is that if you have the gift or if you have a certain ability that the Lord has given you, say of if you believe that way. And and well, let me go ahead and say my, my position. Maybe I should have said that in the beginning. Maybe I shouldn't say it to the end so you won't know. I don't know. Maybe let me say to the end. I don't. Want, I don't want to sway you one way or the other. Okay. Uh, you probably already know where I stand, but let's just let's just pretend like you don't. Okay. So, what I want to say is that if you have a certain gift, it is not because you're awesome. It is not because you know you you the stuff. Legs grow back, cousin me. You know, you know. I blew on his eyes, and he could see. You know, if that's the case then away with you you are you accursed because you're glorifying yourself over the Son of God. That gift was given for the glorification of the Son of God, okay? And we'll find that, and he encapsulates that beautifully. I love the Word of God because it's absolutely sharp. It's absolutely what we need to see all aspects. And if you'll just probe and dig and see, you'll see that it's magnificent. So what I want you to see is, is that A gift is not about you. It actually has nothing to do with you except that the Lord chose to give it to you. It's not because you fostered it well. It's not because you studied the right things. It's not because you were a disciple to the right person. Uh, It's not because of any of those things, but it's because Christ decided to give you those things because God gave those to you as as he saw fit. As he chose, he gave you those things. Now, what I want—the one one thing about that—and I'm going to move on from this. I want you to look with me at uh, John chapter 16, because this just ties this and it shows you where the, where did these gifts come from? What's the foundation of these gifts? What is it that empowers these gifts? And I want to show you. I want to tie together what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 when he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what he says in verse nine. Right after he gave gifts to men. In verse 8, he says in verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he, the, that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended and ascended. How many of you know what that means? It means that he went up. He went up into heaven. If you'll remember the ascension of Christ, he went up into the heavens and he was seen no more here in that same way. He ascended into heavens. Now he says here, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. You see that? It says that he who descended also ascended. Me and Robert have been doing some studying together, some hardcore stuff. This is right here. What does this indicate? In that scripture it says, he who descended into the lower regions of the earth also ascended far above all things that he might. What do you think that that means? It means that, and I'll help you out here, it means that if this wouldn't have happened, then he wouldn't have been able to do what it is that he said that he was going to do. You see, this was the means by which he would gift men. He said, he gave gifts to men. And he who descended, also ascended, far above all things, that he might fill all things. So Jesus Christ had to die. He had to go into the grave. He had to be planted as a seed, as it were. He had to be planted as a seed so that he might grow up, ascend, go up into heaven, and listen to this. Let's tie this all together now. If you want, turn over to John chapter 16. If if not, that's fine. I'll read it. I did not say these things to you, this is starting in, I'm sorry, starting in verse 2. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So he ascended that he might fill all things. What does he mean fill all things? By that he is talking about filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit among several things I believe. He is bringing back into shalom or back into uh, he is reconciling all things to himself. So he died on the cross was buried in the tomb raised from the dead conquered death sin and Satan. Then he ascended on high showing that he is Far above the conqueror of everything, great and small, there is no better, there is no greater, there is no smarter, there is no other, there is no other glory, there is no other God, there is no, there's nothing else. There's nothing, if you're looking for something else to save you, if you're looking for something to give you identity or for something to give you significance, there is nothing higher. There is no greater thing than this one true God, his name is Jesus. And we see that he ascended, that he might feel all things. Now, what happened when he went up? He said, let's see, but if I go, nevertheless, this is verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness, I could go on and on and on and on. We also look at John chapter 14, which says that Jesus Christ had to ascend into heaven so that he would send the helper. Who is the helper? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as it were. He is going to sin. He has sent the Holy Ghost, which comes down. He fills up all things. So you, if you know the Son of God, if you have believed in him and confessed in your heart that he is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead, you have been born again. You have been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. But that's not all. You've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit himself that you might be empowered to do great things. Why? Not to make you great, but to make him known and to make him great and to glorify him. You have been filled. You have been really, the, the, this, is the, this is the beginning work of sanctification. You, are, you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you now, and He alone glorifies Christ. That's all He does. So as He works in you to bring out of you these gifts, He imparts to you different types of gifts and different types of abilities. And what we need to do is tap into what the Holy Spirit has already begun in us. He who began a good work in you is faithful to to complete that work all the way to, to the end in Jesus Christ. He has started something inside of you. And Paul says, you've already began in the Spirit. Why are you turning another way? You see, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And the outworking of the Holy Spirit is what we see in the gifts. In the fruit of the Spirit. All of these are the working of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you if you have believed in Jesus Christ. Are you guys still with me? This is yes. This is no. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's good. I'm hot of prayer. Is the AC still on? Or maybe I'm just getting fired up. Okay. So we know then that it's not any of us, but it's the one spirit that imparts to us all of these things. The one spirit that imparts to us all of these things. Now we find this, and there's a reason I'm telling you this. We find this in every place that a gift listing exists. In Ephesians chapter 4, in Romans chapter 12, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where there is a gift listing, we see in every single place the ones of Scripture. In every place. It's the ones of Scripture. In let's go back. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see here that he says, why don't we start where we were? In Ephesians chapter 4, listen to this. We just read it. Uh, Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your one call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Up, up, up higher he says, the unity of the spirit and the blood of the peace of Jesus Christ. It's the one spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 he says, now there are various uh, varieties of gifts but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but the same God who empowers them in all and every way. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the spirit of the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. According to the same spirit. So we see then that it's the same spirit working in all of us. The same spirit is working in all of us. This is the point of unity, because the Holy Spirit is only glorifying the Son, Matthew chapter 16. He only glorifies the Son. So as the Holy Spirit works inside of you to bring out these giftings that has been imparted to you, it is all for the glory of the Son. Okay, now, in order, now we could just go to the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and the teachers. Okay, and we could say, okay, who among you is such and such and so forth. But what I want to do is I want to go and I want to list out for you all of the gifts that we have recorded in scriptures, I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I think that a lot of them play off of one another, but these are at least the gifts that are listed in the scriptures. It's going to take just a second, but I, I think it's worth it. I want to show you. Let's go then. We already know the ones that are listed in Ephesians chapter 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Okay? Did I miss one? Apostles, prophets, prophets. Evangelists, shepherds and teachers. That's 5. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 11. We'll pop that up there if you got your scriptures, you can turn over with me. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, to each of you is given this manifestation, but for the common good. So, if Clay receives a manifestation of the Spirit that looks one way, and and Brother Heath gives one that looks another way, his may look one way, and his may look one way, but they actually work together for the good of everyone. Okay, to the glory of Christ. You see, what it, the, the goal of everything is the glory of Christ. So it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. You see that, through the Spirit? Again, you've got to watch your, your words like that. These are prepositions that show you direction and flow of an argument and of evidence. So when you see words such as uh, to, and this is just a side note here, to, through, So that, therefore, and there are many others. You need to stop at those and you need to say, what is this showing me? So how do these gifts come? How do they come? What's the means by which we receive these gifts? From the scripture I just read. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit. What's the channel by which it comes? Huh? The Holy Spirit. You see, he's the channel, he's the road, he's the bridge, he's the conduit by which your gifting comes. If you don't believe and if you don't speak to the Holy Spirit, if you don't seek to know him better, you need to change that. Now, there are strong leanings and extremes to where the Holy Spirit is magnified over even the Son of God, and we know this to be incorrect. It's a wrong emphasis. But everything has to be done in balance, and we do have to cry out to Christ that he would give us the Holy Spirit and enlighten us to what he is doing in our lives so that we might be able to tap into what God is doing in our lives. He goes on. He says, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit for the the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. I don't know if I want to take the time to do... every one of these i'll give you a sheet on this next week if you'd like i'm just going to read them right now i don't have time to do all of that but just just keep up with me because we're not going to talk about all the gifts today anyway to each one is given a manifestation for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit now the same spirit gives both gifts right and there's a distinction between both gifts. There's a distinction, a distinction between utterances of wisdom or words of wisdom and words of knowledge, utterances of knowledge. Those are two different gifts given by the same Spirit. <coughs> he keeps on. He says, to another, faith. Faith is a gift by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits or discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. uh, To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Hugely important. Each are according to the same Spirit and they are given as who wills? As you desire? According to your flesh? According to your will? According to how much faith you have? According to what? According to his will. It is according to the will of God what gift that you have. So who are you? Who am I? To look at the Lord and say, I wish you would have done this for me. And it's okay to desire other gifts. The scripture actually teaches that. That you can desire other gifts, but you are to fall in line with what the Lord wills and use your gift. You may be standing there saying, well, I don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. I can find no instance in Scripture where somebody is absolutely not gifted whatsoever. I can't find it anywhere in the Scripture unless they be a non-believer. If you are a believer, then you do have a gift. Now, whether or not you understand and have tapped into that gift, that's a whole nother story and a whole nother sermon. But you do have a gift. You have a way in which God desires to use you to build up the body, to equip the saints, and to be used for the work of the, God, of, the of the glory of God. You do have a gifting. Let's flip over then to Romans chapter 12. We see all of those gifts. They'll be repeated a little bit in Romans 12, but we have some different ones here in Romans 12. We're going to be looking at 3 through 9. Now, we could stop a little bit earlier, but I want to show you something later on in 9. Romans 12, 3 through 9. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think, (coughs) listen to what I said. You remember what I said earlier? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Now, he's saying this to everyone among them. This will play big time into who gets the gifts. Is it for a select group of people? Or is it for, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to him. You see, even the measure of faith that you have is a gift from God. You want more faith? A lot of us think that I just need to believe more. I just need to stop doubting. I just need to, you need to seek God if you want more faith. Faith is not something conjured up. Faith is not something learned. Faith is not something that you can just decide to believe in. It's like a leopard trying to change his spots. It's not going to happen unless it be granted by the one who created it and is able to give. Faith is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself, but it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You thought that I was kidding. Faith is a gift. You are not your own. You did not choose God. God chose you. And you did have to have faith. But you can only have faith that he gave. God is supreme. So we see here it says... Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I want you to notice how he equates being a member of the body with being spiritually gifted. Being a member of the body is being spiritually gifted. Now, in in that way of thinking, a hand... Now, I'm not, I, I'm not at all lining up the gifts with the members of the body. But just for our mind's sake, if the body has many members, as the church has many gifts, it may be that the hand is the gift of service, which we'll see in here. Okay? Got it? So maybe the hand is the gift of service, and maybe the foot is another gift, and maybe the leg is another gift, and so on and so forth. Basically, why I'm drawing that out is is that each one of you are a member of Christ's body, the church, and you have a different function to serve, and it is the gifting. You say, well, how do I know how I'm supposed to serve? It is the gifting that God is giving you, how you are to serve and how you are to function within the body of Christ as a member of his body. This is is magnificently important in the grand schemes of things that you dig into the Word, dig into your life, take a look, take take stock of what God has done in your life and how He's gifted you and say, okay, now how do I function within within the membership or within the body of Christ? How has God gifted me? And when you figure out how God has gifted you and you start to learn in that, then go and do what God has gifted you to do under the submission and authority of the leadership of that body of believers. Okay? This is how this works. You want to say, how, do, how, does, how does the church reach its full purpose? Through the gifting of its members. That's in the text, Ephesians chapter 4. So, for as in one body uh, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Again, it's not us. It's the grace given to us. Let us use them. That is a, an exhortation or a push or a command. You have gifts. Each one are different according to how God decided, decided that you should be gifted. Now, let us use them. This phrase right here shows us what we are to do when we understand how God has called us. Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And listen to this in verse 9 it says, Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Now, I think that's hugely important, especially when we compare Romans chapter 12 with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. I'll show you why in just a minute. So we have all of these gifts here, and I'm not going to go back through all of them. We have all of the gifts, but listen, before we can start to define and acknowledge the gifts, we must address whether or not all are are still in operation today. You say, why do we really have to talk about that today? Because there is a large portion of people, and locally, some of our respected pastors in the area believe that the gift, that some of the gifts have ceased. They've stopped. Now, why would I choose to talk about that today? One is, is because I want you to understand, since there is a very close population of people who believe one way, and you may believe a different way. I want you to understand why you believe what you believe, or what the arguments for, what the arguments are for that position versus this position. We may have some in here that are cessationists. Meaning, now let me re- let me help that. Okay, uh, the, the two positions are continuity versus discontinuity. Now, you say, those words aren't in the Bible. I absolutely understand that. This is just to help you understand what I'm talking about, okay? This right here can also be called cessationist. All right, so there's continuity and there's discontinuity. Basically, we have those that believe that the gifts are continuing just as they always have and those that believe that some of the gifts discontinued or ceased to exist, all right? continuity and discontinuity all right now what I want to do is I want to break this down for you and I want to give you some proofs of each and some problems with each and I want to show you we may just get through one or the other but I want to show you through the scriptures what the scriptures teach now I'll show you why some people believe one and some people believe the other believe the other what I want you to do is I want to make you I want you to make a judgment call because of what the Bible teaches not because of what I believe not because of what your neighbor believes but because of what you believe about what the word of God teaches okay amen before we even go any further I just want to pray have I lost any of you yet I don't want to lose you I want to teach you I want you to see that you have a reason to believe what you believe and to grab onto something and say hey that's the word of God I want, to, I want to apply that to my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, even as I go any further, that you would take away any confusion. God, that you would help me uh, not to confuse this matter or not to add to or to take away, but to simply present what you have said in your word. I pray, God, that you, would, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now that you would give us words of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. God, I pray that we would be able to see clearly what the Bible teaches and therefore follow it without hesitation. I pray, God, that you would reveal in us whatever gifting it is that has been given, that we might build each other up and that we might attain to the fullness of Christ, that we might be one united body that builds itself up in love and needs no outside preservation. It needs no outside food or no outside regeneration, but we get it all through Christ Jesus who is our king, who has given us the Holy Spirit, and who has empowered us to be who he's called us to be and to equip us to do what he's called us to do. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Now let's get in right here. All right. So in the the cessationist view, you see the only gifts questioned by anyone anymore are called the sign gifts. Okay. So in the sign gifts, now most everyone that I know of fall into either one of these two camps right here. Continuity or discontinuity or cessationist. But within those, they still believe. So a cessationist, most of them that I know anyway, would say that God has ceased to give gifts of healing to anyone. He ceased to give gifts of miracles to anyone. The gift of tongues doesn't exist anymore. And the gift of interpretation doesn't exist anymore. So signs, Let's. Uh, I'm sorry. So we say the sign gifts. Can y'all see this? So the sign gifts. So gifts of healing, miracles, tongues, and interpretation. Oh, can you read that? All right, so these are the four gifts that people have problems with. All right, I got somebody is calling me. I am in. I'm gonna answer this right now. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna put it on airplane mode. How about that? So, babe, if you got a message, text Grant. He'll put it on the screen. Okay. All right. I'm just kidding with it. Dang, I'm gonna pay for that. Just kidding. All right. Was I? Huh. All right, so we have continuity versus discontinuity. Most of these right here, most of these guys, at least the ones that I know, they would still say that God heals, okay? They would say God heals, but he, he hasn't gifted anybody with the gift of healing. He hasn't gifted anybody with miracles, tongues, or interpretations. Some of them would say that healing doesn't exist anymore, period, okay? Which I just, to me, okay, anyway. So that healing doesn't exist anymore, period. Some would say that healing does still exist, but it's found in James chapter 5 where he says, if any among you are sick, they are to bring them before the pastors, let them lay hands on them, and the prayer of faith will bring the healing, okay? That, that's, their, that's their stance on that part of it. But for the most part, all, of, well, in, in every part, all of the cessationists believe that these four gifts do not exist anymore. Now, reasons that they give for this are as follows. There's only, really only two. That I, that I can find that are, you know, worth even looking at. So, the first would be that the sign gifts were given to the apostles alone in order to establish their authority as God's ambassadors, but cease to exist with their deaths. So, what they would say is, now this all has meaning for me and you, because you, if you believe in the gifts of healings, you need to know why you believe in the gifts of healings. And if you don't, you need to know why you don't, okay? So, they would say that all of these were, as they are called, signs. And they would say these signs were held to the apostles alone. If you're taking notes. They said only the apostles in this new age were given the gift of healing, miracles, tongues, and interpretations so that their authority uh, would be established to those who had never really heard of this before, that their authority would be established and their credibility would be established as ambassadors of God and the mouthpiece of God that they might be able to say, this proves that I am who I say that I am, okay? So they would say, and the, and the, the... Evidence that they give for this are several of them here. I I have four. There's mainly four of them. It's kind of self-explanatory. But John chapter 2, verse 11, these were referred to as signs. As when Jesus Christ did a miracle or when a miracle was done and someone was was healed, they would say that this was a sign of his authority. This was a sign uh, that God was doing these things. So we actually would agree, or I actually would agree, that uh, these are sign gifts. Uh, but I do believe that the others are signs as well. Uh, they're just not as evident that it's supernaturally done in that instance. Does that make sense? So these four gifts, apart from the other ones, would, are very obvious that they're out of the box. That you can't just do that. You know, if you speak over someone a word of healing or if you speak healing over someone and they're healed in that instant. And ever, just like Jesus Christ did with blind men and the woman with bleeding and the cripple. And all of a sudden this man has been lame from birth. He speaks a word of healing over him. He gets up and takes his mat and goes home. And you, you know right then, man, that was a gift. That was healing. Now, if someone teaches prophetically, or if someone gives a word of wisdom, that may not be immediately evident, so it might not be as great of a sign. But I do think that that is still a sign. So you see what the the argument here is. In the Old Testament they would say that that signs were a means of authentication for Moses and the prophets and several other. I've got some references there for Exodus 4, 1 through 8, 1 Kings 17 and so on and so forth. We know that God in order to authenticate Moses and some of the other prophets, he gave them power, he gave them gifts, he gave them signs when Moses struck the rock for instance. When Moses, uh, when we saw bread come out of heaven. Heaven, when 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 Elijah called for the fire to come down and, and licked up all the water and, and he killed all the prophets of Baal we know that these were signs to authenticate the authority of the man of God okay so we would have to agree I think with the scriptures that these are signs uh, that would authenticate God's people all right so but what they would say is the apostles were given miracles to prove their ministry but but says that they will cease when the apostles die now The only legitimate claim in Scripture that is provided that I've found. Now, some of you know the Bible very well. Especially some of you who are cessationists out here. You may have better evidences that I have not found. But the only one that I have found that holds any water. uh, But then if you've not found out what I am by now, I I think you... You know, so... Is here in First Corinthians thirteen. Listen to what he says. In verse eight, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for prophecies, they will pass away, and as for tongues, they will cease. Okay, they will cease. This is the. This is what uh, is their best. Um, Uh, evidence or best uh, push Uh, now obviously with in the scriptures we see less miracles toward the end it seems like than we do in the in the days of Jesus Christ, so they would say, as you see the end of the New Testament area or the end of the books being written, you will see the sign gifts start to fade away as they are no longer needed because the the authority and the authentication of the apostles have already been established. So you see those sign gifts start to slip away, okay, and you see them start to cease, and therefore the other gifts prophecy and all those other things would step into the limelight and become that which people understand and recognize God, okay? Now, that's the first argument. Now, the problems with this argument, uh, in my opinion, far outweigh the proofs of the argument, okay? So, number one, the first problem with this argument, or really a proof, you can look at it either way you want to, proof of continuity or that the, the sign gifts still exists today The first one is the healings and miracles performed by Christ and the apostles are never referred to as gifts of healings or miracles. It never said that Christ had a gift of healing. It never said that Paul had the gift of healing or Peter had the gift of healing or the gift of miracles. And you say, well, why would that be important? Obviously they did. Well, you see, Paul here, In uh, Romans and in Corinthians and in Ephesians, he is the foremost teacher on the gifts. He is teaching uh, to a church, a body of believers, to several different believers in the church, and he is teaching them about gifts that will be given to each man. He is teaching that these gifts will be given to each one according to how God sees fit. And he says, to one the gift of utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, to one the gift of healing, one the gift of miracles. When you look at that list right there, and when you look at 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 12, does it seem as if it would be a hard stretch to force an understanding on the text that this was for some people and not for others? Or is the flowing message, the flowing understanding seem to be as if they're all gifts given to each one? If you have to force a text to say something or if you desire for it to say something and you have to push meaning onto that, then you probably need to check who it is that you're wanting to believe and who it is that you're wanting to write the Bible. You may be saying, I want this to say this, so let's add this in. Look, all I'm saying is, I am not saying one or the other. All I'm telling you is, you go and read Romans 12, and you go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and what is the simplest, easiest way to understand what the Bible says? To each one is given gifts of wisdom, knowledge, uh, prophecy, faith, healing, miracles. It's just within the list. It's just within the list. Don't you think for something that big, he would have said, if he desired to say it. You see, God is not, he's not dumb. He's not restricted in how many words. He's not restricted to 140 characters. He can say what he wants to say, how he wants to say it. Don't you think he would have said, for a while, I have gifted you, some of you, with the gifts of him. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to put God's words in God's mouth, but I'm just saying, just read the Bible, and where it needs to be taken literally, take it literally. Okay? So, number one is, the, the Jesus Christ is never referred to as having the gift of healing. So, if he would have, it would have been that Christ had the gift of healing, that Paul had the gift of healing, but Peter had the gift of healing, but he wouldn't have put it in a list for, all, for each of them. It would have been the gift of healing would have been restricted to Paul and Peter, and so on and so forth. The second proof is 1 Corinthians 28 distinguishes between the gift of apostle and the gift of healing. Look in, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. If the gift of healing and the gift of miracles would have been to the apostles only, wouldn't he have just said he's gifted some to be apostles? Why would he have then distinguished the gift of healing and the gift of miracles? Now let me cl- clarify something right fast. To my knowledge, I've never really had the gift of healing. I can't just, now there was this one instance where I was on the side of the road with this girl and my heart was overwhelmed with her and I laid hands on her and I prayed with her and I felt like the Lord was calling me to do that and I did so and I got news within minutes that she was okay and it was not supposed to be that way and I was like, praise the Lord. Okay, I testify before you that I saw that happen with my own two eyes. Now, did, did that come through a gift that I have or did that... I have no idea. All I know is that I prayed and she got healed, okay. But outside of that, I don't normally operate in that gifting. I don't. I, it's not been common with me that I can just go around somebody sick. Lord leads me. I'm like, you know, you're healed. I, I've not experienced a lot of that. The gift of miracles. But let's remember here that to each one is given as the Lord sees fit and as the Lord wills. That is not to say that I have not seen other people display these gifts, and I would have to say, Amen. I just don't have those gifts. So a lot of the times, and this is kind of a side note here, and I'll try to hurry. A lot of the times, if we don't have that gift, then we dismiss that gift. A lot of the times, the gifting that we do have, we elevate that gift, and we want to say, this is the most important gift. So the problems with that is, 1 Corinthians 28 distinguishes between the gift of apostle and the gift of healing. Number three, Paul was not one of the original 12 but received his gift later. Now, we do know that Paul was an established apostle, but he was not one of the original twelve, which is one of the great evidences that they try to show is because in Revelation it says the twelve will be on, the, on their own thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and they say these twelve were established, they were God's men, they were only ones with gifts of, and, and powers of healing and powers of miracles, but there's twelve and Paul is an additional apostle. Now, he did receive his apostleship from the Lord Jesus Christ, but that was later on. He was gifted with the gift of healing, and he was had these powers, but it was after the original 12. Number four, the flow of 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and the other text clearly suggest the gifts were given to each one. You must create the idea of the argument ceasing. We've already talked about that, but that is a great proof against what this is teaching. Number five, the word temporary. Now, this is also sign gifts will be called temporary gifts. But this word is never associated with this word in the Bible. Never can you find these two words together saying temporary gifts. You just can't find it. Now, I'm not trying to teach out of what's not there, but what I'm saying is this actually is a very clear implication. So it seems that you have to add this to the scriptures in order to prove this point or this argument. Okay? You understand that? It's not found in the Bible. Uh, Number six, the sign gifts were one of many evidences of apostleship. People want to say, well, this is the signs by which the apostles were authenticated and their authority was proven. But in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we have clear indications that there were many ways for apostleship to be proven. As a matter of fact, gifts of healings and this type of thing was only mentioned one time and there's 12 proofs in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that Paul used to prove his apostleship. Gifts was only gifts of healing. This this healing and the signs was only one of them. There's many ways to prove that he was an apostle. So if you give up the cessation idea, the sensationalist idea, it doesn't mean that you give up the distinction of apostleship because I do believe that there is a distinction of the apostles and the authority that they had. Don't hear me saying that there is a difference and a distinction between the gifting of apostle and the office of apostle. Now, I don't have time to get into that today. But there is a distinction between the office of apostle and the gifting of apostle. Okay. The office of apostle exists no more. That has closed. And we have clear indication of that. large part because the canon is closed. The original apostles had the authority to speak the word of God and it be added to the scriptures. That has ceased. There can no longer be anything added or taken away from this word. So the twelve really do, the apostles really do stand out from believers, all believers, but I don't believe that this is one way that we can say that they are no longer uh, in existence. Number seven, and this is huge for me, and we're going to kind of, we'll close it out somewhere around here. Listen to this. This This is huge. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, I want to read for you this. I'm going to start back and I'm just going to read from verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Listen to this, number 5, verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the law or by hearing with faith? Now, you know why that's huge? It's because there was no apostle in Galatia there was no apostle in Galatia and somebody was working miracles somebody was gifted with the gift of healing and the gift of miracles but there was no apostle he's writing to them and he was the apostle so somebody was doing miracles among them but it wasn't him And there were no other apostles recorded anywhere that would have been in Galatia. Just the word. And number eight. Now this is their biggest. I'll say this for last because this is their biggest uh, proof or evidence for cessationism. Is 1 Corinthians 13.8. So let's read that again. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues that's that's the big argument they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away okay my problem is if you want to say this is the proof that tongues cease you're absolutely in my opinion you're absolutely ripping that out of context because if tongues have ceased because of this verse, so has knowledge, and so has prophecy, and the perfect has already come. Now, Jesus Christ is the perfect, and He has already come, but He ascended back on high, and one day, though, He'll come again. And in Romans chapter 8, it says, And the whole creation longs, it suffers, and it longs in this suffering, desiring that the creation would be brought back into ful- fullness. When? Does anybody know when? What's the perfect that he's talking about? It's when Jesus Christ comes and we are at our resurrection or at the second coming. We meet him in the sky. We are resurrected and we receive our full adoptions as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This is the perfection. This is the receiving. This is the, the seeing in full. Right now we see in part, but then we will know in full. This is the knowing in full. As if anything, this is not a proof that, they haven't, that they've not ceased, but that they haven't ceased. Because the second coming is not yet. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? Oh, man. <laughs> hey, out of the mouth of babes, right? Amen, sister. None of us are perfect. You know, is your car, does it, does it break down sometimes? Yeah. Our world is jacked up. It's messed up. It's not perfect by any means. So I would say that in in first Corinthians 13:8 love never ends love never ends uh, but as for prophecies, they will pass away in the future. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The perfect has not come. The partial has not passed away. Now, I, I don't speak in tongues. I can't speak other languages like that. But Paul says very clearly in 1 Corinthians 14 that we, should deny, we shouldn't deny that. Or we shouldn't, we shouldn't stop anybody from doing that unless it doesn't accord with the word of God. These eight things, and there are plenty more, these eight things uh, would would show me, at least, uh, it, it, it seems to, to say to me that to say that these sign gifts or the gifts of healing, miracles, tongues, and interpretations have ceased is to read into the Bible, not read out of the Bible. And though many of us may not have these, but many of you don't have many of the gifts that it set up here. I don't have a lot of these gifts. I don't say that they don't exist because I don't have them. I I say, I wish I had that gift. And I pray, Lord, would you give me that gift? I, I seek and desire those gifts. We see in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, it says there at the bottom, it says, uh, in 28, it says, and God has appointed in the churches first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. He says all of that. Down at the end, he says, do all possess uh, the gift of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. You can grow in your spiritual giftedness. You can receive additional gifts. You can be imparted with words of wisdom. You can be imparted with with words of knowledge. You can be imparted uh, with with all of these different gifts. There is nothing in the scriptures that really indicate that these gifts have ceased. To think so, in my opinion, is to miss out on a great teaching of the scriptures. And when we get in farther, okay, we're going to go farther in this, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to stay in here next week, And we're going to look a little deeper. Now, I think that, I hope, I have established biblically, you believe what you desire. You believe the word of God, though. I've shown you biblically, this is why I'm not a cessationist. I can't be a cessationist because I can't find it in the Bible. I can't find the word temporary. I can't find where it says that they stopped. I can't find any of these things. And so I must say, even if I don't understand, when someone comes to me and says, brother, I saw a leg grow back. I I can't even comprehend that. I can't, it doesn't work in my mind. I'm trying to think of the leg growing back. I can't hardly, I can't hardly think of it. But I have to read the Bible and I have to say amen. And unless you present to me something from the word of God, then I have to say amen. You can't read in the Bible just because you don't have that gift, Okay. Now that I've established this, I to—I do want to show you one other thing. I know the band's up here ready, but theres y'all got anywhere to go? It's raining outside, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I want to I finish out this sermon. I don't do this very often, but if you need to go, I hope you don't, but if you need to go, go, go ahead. I, I love you. The, the Kidwell workers have already got used to it, okay? I want to show you one other thing because now that we've established, I think that cessationism, I don't really think, has any grounds, okay? Now, again, Don't go beating someone to death because they're a cessationist. Okay? If God has not granted them with that measure of faith, then you say hey, this is what I believe the scripture teaches. If you want to believe that, I'm not going to beat someone up because they don't agree with me over this. This is not a this is not a lynch to the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is an open handed issue that you and I can discuss. I can believe one way. You can believe one way. It can be different but we still be children of God. Okay? I believe that you're missing out but you know, that's, that's, that's okay, all right? So what I want to say here is the cessationists claim that if the, oh, this is the one other thing, and I'm going to go through this really quickly, okay? But this, I think, will be helpful for some people here. Michael Edmonds is here. Is Danny here? Danny Gregg here? Danny didn't make it today. Danny's a, a really good friend of mine, a brother in Christ, who lost both of his legs uh, in an accident. Michael is a really good friend of mine, a brother in Christ, who lost his vision in an accident about two years ago. About two years ago. Um, Now why haven't they been healed? Another argument uh, for cessationism, another argument for uh, the ceasing of these miraculous gifts is the existence of sickness and the use of hospitals. The argument goes uh, like this. If the gifts of healing really did exist, then and the gifts of miracles really did exist, then we would have no more death, we would have no more sickness, we would have no more accidents, and if the gift of healing really did exist, then whoever had that gift in the room could go over to Michael and say, be healed, and that he would receive his sight. Uh, they say if the gift of miracles existed, then We wouldn't have these problems with all these floods and all this rain, you know. (laughs) we just go outside and say, Lord, cease. (laughs) You know, and it would dry up. Um, If we had the gift of tongues, then our missionaries wouldn't have to go to uh, school to learn language anymore. They would just go, and they would know the language, and they would speak. And Because uh, the gift of tongues, now a lot of you... Have only had bad experiences with the gift of tongues, and you, and this one's a scary one. My wife, I told my wife I was praying for the gift of tongues. My wife's like, No, (laughs) you know, know, I was standing over there, you know, it's not not necessarily (laughs) this gift that is some crazy language that no one understands, and you know, and that's what you see, right? You know, you know what I'm (laughs) saying? And I'm not making fun of anyone. I, I do believe that the gift of tongues exists. I've heard brothers that I know and trust, and I just don't think they would lie. There are people in this room who speak in tongues. I know them. They don't put it on display to glorify themselves. You've never, maybe, maybe none of you have ever even heard in here anybody speak in tongues. But you know there are people in here with the gift of tongues. But they don't put it on display to glorify themselves. But it is something between them and the Lord. And Paul speaks of a heavenly language which we can't talk about today. But all I'm saying is this. Is that the gift of tongues was given in this day to help those that did not speak the same language to hear the gospel. And so if a Spanish person walked in and they wanted to hear the gospel but could not hear the gospel, the gift of tongues would have been given to someone here who had the gift of tongues, and he would be able to speak to that person, okay? And they would be able to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the argument is, on this side, is that if those gifts still did that, why do we have hospitals? Why do we have the sick? Why do we have, you know, missionaries going to learn Spanish and, you know, all of these different types of languages so that they might go over and they might be able to speak to these people? There is, uh, the claim is that since Jesus healed everyone, now I did a little digging on this and I had to read a lot and I had to study a lot. I was looking for instances where Jesus did not heal the person that he was going, that, that came to him and that desired to be healed. Did Jesus heal everyone that he came in contact with? Huh? What do you think? It's okay if you don't know. Some say yes, some say no. The the thing is, is that they say, that the claim is that since Jesus healed everyone uh, that he came in contact with, then if the gift was still in operation, then everyone would be healed. Now, this is an argument uh, for cessationists, but also an argument for the exact opposite extreme, which is faith healing or prosperity gospel, which would also say they believe that Jesus Christ healed everyone that he came in contact with. Therefore, the gift still exists. Therefore, if you have enough faith, you will be healed. So they would be forced to look at Michael and say, the only reason that you can't see is that you don't have enough faith. These are two extremes. The cessationists would look and say, Jesus healed everyone. If the gift still operated, everyone would be healed. Since everyone's not healed, then the gift is not in operation. The other side of that would be those who uh, operate under faith healing, and they would say, "The Jesus healed everyone who had faith. The gift is still in operation. Therefore, if you have faith, you will be healed. And if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith." Now, what do we say to this? Do are we one or are we the other? Well, how do we get? How how do we believe what the Bible says? Let me offer you a few. Uh, Bible evidences and a few proofs from the scriptures of where, uh, why I stand where I stand and where I think you should stand as we understand the scriptures. Uh, I got a note here, this is also extreme in the, on the other side to say that all those who have faith will be healed. The problem with this, okay, the problem with either one of these, whether cessationism or uh, faith healing, is this. The problem is, is that it, it assumes that Jesus Christ healed everyone, every time, on every occasion. It assumes that Jesus Christ healed everyone, every time, on every occasion. Now, i got a few points on here I want to show you, because my, my understanding of the Scriptures, and I dug and I dug and I dug, you really, it's hard to find an instance where Jesus Christ didn't heal that person that came to him with faith. But it does exist. Parent of child 8CA. They are wailing because it's been too long. And W35. Please, it says. <laughs> Send a message. Tell them I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> okay, a few things that I noted here. Okay, and I'll try to go through these, but these are important. All right. Jesus, you remember this Jesus did not heal Lazarus. Jesus didn't heal Lazarus. John eleven twenty one. 21, Mary actually says to him, if you would have gotten here sooner, he would not have died. But as a matter of fact, Jesus uh, intentionally delayed his trip so that the man would die. Well, Jesus just heals everyone. Lazarus is like, no, he don't. I was stinking in the grave. No, he don't. He didn't. Now, he did later raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay? He did later raise Lazarus from the dead. What about another instance? Jesus did not stop the death of John the Baptist, his first cousin, and it was a beheading. He was absolutely humane. Now, is, is Jesus God? Is he omniscient? Did he know John was going to be beheaded? Is he omnipotent? Could he have stopped it? Did he? You see, he did not stop it, and he didn't raise him from the dead. You might have could have got away with that on Lazarus and said, yeah, but, but he raised him from the dead later. Well, John the Baptist is still in, you know, he's, well, I think he's raised. now, But he, he's, he, was, he was like, he didn't heal me. He didn't stop my death. He didn't come raise me up from the dead so I could have a few more days. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He did not heal him. Jesus could do no miracle. Now, listen, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, he was in his hometown, but because of their disbelief, it says, Jesus could do no miracle in his hometown and only healed a few. If he only healed a few, that means he did not heal a few or everyone. If he only healed a few, that means there was more to be healed, and he did not heal them. You know why he couldn't heal them? Because they didn't believe. But now, is that the only, because that's, that's dangerous, because now you're going to start to lean over towards faith healing. If they would have only believed. My brother, if you, if you will only believe. If you'll sow a $25 seed, I'm telling you right now, that $200 seed will come back in your pocket. If you only believe. Right? This faith healing, this faith giving, this faith thing, if you would only believe. Now, but. If I only had Mark 6, verse 5, in that context to go on, I, man, I might lean toward faith healing. As mad as it is, I might. But we can't because John the Baptist had faith. It doesn't last across the board. It does not last across the board. In Listen to this. In uh, Mark 8, 11 through 13, it says, Jesus didn't give a sign from heaven when demanded. The Pharisees looked at him and demanded a sign from heaven. But Jesus wouldn't give it to them. You unbelieving people who demand a sign, there will be no sign given for you. Signs are not for your entertainment. They are not for your commanding and demanding and I demand a sign. God, you do it now. No. What are they for? We'll get to that in just a second. Last, la, lastly, now, this is good right here. Okay, lastly. You think, okay, Jesus is, not, is omniscient, right? Yeah. He's omnipotent, right? Yeah. He's omnibenevolent. Oh, that was a good one, right? Yeah. He's all good all the time is what that means. <laughs> now, do you think Jesus was a faithful man? Come on. Was he a faithful man? Yeah. Was Jesus God in the flesh? Yeah. Did he have perfect faith? Yeah. Did he ever disobey He had all faith in all things. In Jesus, in in God himself, he did everything which the Father sent him to do. Did he not? He had perfect faith. Yet we know that he did not heal himself. And, as a matter of fact, he did not perform miracles to get himself out of a bind. Philippians 2 said that he emptied himself of all deity and took the form of a man. Right? Remember in the desert when he was tempted and Satan came to him and said, work this gift. Basically, he said, he said, work this miracle. Turn these stones into bread because he was hungry. He was hurting. He was in pain. He was suffering. And Satan said, work your magic, boy. Work your magic. Work your magic. Work this gift. You have this power inside of you. You work this gift. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. On the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember this. What did Jesus Christ pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did he pray? Would you let this cup pass from me? Would you let this cup pass from me? Would you let this cup pass from me? Could you you take this away from me? Could this cup pass from me? But nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. So we see that Jesus Christ did not receive healing in those instances. Why? Was it for lack of faith? Absolutely not. Why was it? Why? Huh? Glory to God. The will of God. That's what it was. It was the will of God that he should suffer. It was the will of God that he should experience pain. It was the will of God that he should suffer anguish. There are three reasons that we see. In scriptures, you may not see the sign of healing or miracles or whatever else. There's three main reasons given. You may find another. Lack of faith is one. Mark 6, 5. I don't know how many times I read Jesus saying, to the degree that you have believed. Or to the degree of your faith, let it be done. A lot of us don't experience healing because or miracle or power or usefulness or whatever else because we lack the faith to receive the word that's been given to us. Lack of faith is one reason, but that's not the only. Two is wrongly motivated, just like the Pharisees who demanded a sign. Some of you may try to exercise a gift or try to, try to exercise a gift of healing, but because of your motivation, it's not going to happen. You seek glory for yourself, and Jesus is saying, no way. The Holy Spirit is saying, absolutely not. I come only to glorify the Son, Matthew 16, because of you wrongly motivated. And number three, it's outside of God's will. We sit in the wilderness, we sit on the cross, and we sit in many other places. It was God's will that he should suffer. It was God's will that he should be in pain. And as the band comes up, this is my last thing right here, and I appreciate you hanging in there with me. I want to show you this. What then? And I think that we would be amiss if we did not preach the gospel right here. <clears throat> what then should we think about these things? What then should we think about the gift of healing and the gift of miracles? You, you guys can take this on if we want to do something. Just put it over there, maybe. Slide it. Probably better to slide it over there, Andrew. What should we think about these things now? How does the scriptures bookmark the gifts? And, he, and it's amazing to me, the depth and, and the breadth. When we think about the gifts, lots of people dismiss them uh, as if they have ceased because uh, of they've been wrongly used before. And the glory was going to the wrong place, and you have all these people who are who are calling, you know, I was being funny a while ago. Who say, if you'll only sow this seed, and I'll send you this holy water, and it will, you anoint it on your head, and you'll be healed. It's demonic because they're seeking the glory of themselves, they're seeking to, to uplift and build their own ministry or their own pockets. Or their own thing. So you have these who are doing it wrongly and it's and it's and it's nasty and it's it, it's evil, taking taking advantage of, of the elderly, oh. taking advantage of the widow, taking advantage of those who are who are broken. Let's face it, if you're using the gift of healing or the, the promise of the gift of healing to minister to someone, you're you're 99 times out of hundred, you're ministering or, or going after someone who's in pain, who's experienced loss, who is in trouble who is elderly who is close to death or who is financially in despair and so we want to throw that out the door but what should we do instead of throwing it out the door you think maybe we should get a biblical understanding of what these gifts are for and how to operate within our gifting and what the foundation of that gifting is don't you think that would be a better way instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater we should look and say what does the Bible teach us to believe about these things Yes, there are many who are doing it wrong. Many who are doing it wrong. But there's many who are doing a lot of things wrong. There are many so-called Christians who are doing the whole thing wrong. You've done it wrong before at times. You've misunderstood at times. And so now, what do we say? Let's look at what the Scriptures tells us. Let's look at what the Scripture, and let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about these things. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm just gonna I'm just going tell you just of a couple of things. Both in, in all three. if now, listen to this. This is the word of God. In Ephesians chapter four. In. Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, every instance, all three places in scripture bookmark the gifts with the exact same exhortation. On the front end it is humility and on the back end is love. The gifts are always, always, always to be operated in humility and in love for the building up of the body toward the goal of Jesus Christ. Listen, Ephesians says, listen to what Ephesians says, it, was said, it says, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and to the authorities of the heavenly places. The goal of this is to lift up, the goal is to, is to, is to build the kingdom of God that they might know who God is. It says, uh, in patience and humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love bearing with one another in love that we are to seek eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace are you operating within your gifting at all and if you are are you doing it with with humility and in love thinking of yourself less less Thinking of yourself less. Listen, Romans chapter 12. Someone that says, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of, of himself more highly than he ought to think. Some of you have gifts of healing, some of you have gifts of, uh, of the utterance of wisdom, some of you have the utterance of knowledge, some of you have the gift of, of teaching and the, the gift of an apostle, the gift of a prophet, the gift of an evangelist. You walk around with your chest poked out, or are you humble longing for someone to come along and say I'll pour into you. I'll sacrifice for you. Let me take time to show you and lead you and guide you. Let me help you to experience Christ and to see him for everything that he is. And it ends in verse 9. It says let love be genuine. In Philippians it says that Jesus Christ, though he existed in the form of God, emptied himself of all of his divine attributes and even took the form of a servant, even that of a servant, he gave himself up, he gave himself away, poured himself out. You see, Jesus Christ had all of the gifts on display. He did heal almost everyone he came in contact with. You know what this was? This was a display of what Jesus Christ longs to do, and that is to heal all of their greatest sickness, which is soul sickness and sin the gifts you see if, if the gift operates only to, to to heal physical sickness then it's not done what it was created to do it is not done what it was put forth to do but it's to show you what God longs to do and then it's to save your soul you see Jesus Christ was the perfect display of balance here For though he had the the gift of healing though he had the gift of power and the gift of miracles he did not exercise those gifts but he took the form of a servant he went to the cross and he did not heal himself. Why? Because it was the will of God that he should drink this cup. Jesus himself said, why has this time come? What, what, what am I for? This is what I was born for. Jesus Christ was born to die. <laughs> he was born to die. You, you are to pour your life out for Christ. You are to to, to pursue Him. To pursue Him in humility knowing that you don't have anything of yourself. You don't have anything within yourself. So you need Him. You need the scriptures to show you what it is that you have that you can offer because we are none righteous. No, not one. There is nothing good that dwells inside of us. No, not one. I have no righteousness of my own, Paul says. But thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, He has set me free from this body of death. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You have a gift. All the gifts are still available to us. Next week, we will, get, we will dig deeper into apostle, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. This is the five-fold ministry. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting somewhere now. This is the five-fold ministry. And what I want to show you now, that now that I think that I've, I've established biblically, not because something I believe, but biblically I've established that the gifts are still in existence. There are those of you among us who have, I would, I would say, probably, it's not my call, have almost all of these gifts somewhere. There's gifts of healing out there. There's gifts of miracles out there. There's gifts of, of wisdom and knowledge and service. encouragement and exhortation and discernment I know it as I'm calling the gifts people are coming to mind I know people who have these gifts I know some people who display the characteristics of some of these gifts but they're not even sold out to Christ yet God longs to use you but you're so steeped in self that you can't see it you've not humbled yourself before the king of kings and said I am yours everything I have is yours take me and use me as a willing vessel." Whether to life or to death, uh, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Some of you will be used uh, as a spirit, as, as a as a vessel of healing and and miracles. Some of you will experience suffering yourself as you display the gift of encouragement. For your suffering will be someone else's encouragement. Will you look and will you look at the nose and say, "I will shock it up in a nose"? Or will you be the toe that got cut off that the body might live? Will you be the leg, as Danny Grigg would absolutely understand, that was removed so that the body might live? Why is it that Danny doesn't have both legs? Why is it that Michael doesn't have his eyes? Brother, I believe that it was God's will at this moment for this to be happening to you so that you would glorify him and everything that you do and say. And I promise you this, he's using you. Because your affliction has encouraged my soul. Your affliction, I believe, has been used by God to bring people into the kingdom of God. I believe with everything in me. Do you suffer? Come forward. Let us lay our hands on you and pray for healing. Will God grant it? Maybe, maybe not. Is it His will? Maybe God would have you, like Christ, to suffer. That he might be glorified. You know, it takes me to the book of Job. When all of his friends were saying, you've done this and you've done that. And it's because of your lack of faith that you're suffering. And your sin's making you suffer. But Elihu comes along and he's the youngest one. And he looks at him and he says, let me interject and tell you that this has happened three times, twice more. To prevent your soul from going down into the pit. That you might be lighted with the light of life. Have you ever thought that maybe the Lord brought that thing into your life? Not only did he not heal it, but that he brought it to light you with the light of life. That's the greatest healing. You say, the Lord didn't heal me. Yes, he will one day. I promise you that. If you believe in Christ, if you have accepted his sacrifice on the cross. My plea today as you answer the call of God is do you know him? Do you have the Holy Spirit, which is the giver of all of these gifts? Is He dwelling inside of you, that you might even be used for God in the qu- equipping of His saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body, till we acquire the unity of the faith and the knowledge to the full measure of the stature of the Son of God? Do you even know? Him? Secondly, are you submissive to Him? Are you humble? Are you on your face continually? Are you in the word of God? Are you being used as a willing vessel, willing to be poured out just as Christ was poured out on the cross for you? Are you being poured out for him? Are you willing to be poured out for Christ that he might use you just as God used him? This morning, I long to see those who repent, those who come to know him, those who humbly submit to their king who has a job for who has a gifting for them, who has a tool he longs to put in their hands. And then the third is is that has God gifted you and would you be willing to share your gift to help those in here who need to be sharpened? There's a lot of misunderstanding about the gifts and about the church and about a lot of things because we've let our tradition overwhelm us for so long. Some tradition's not bad, some tradition's horrible. We need to get back to the Word of God. The Word of God. You've heard the Word of God this morning. It will not return void. You've heard the Word of God. Now do with it what you will. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. And I pray, God, as we invite those to come and respond to to your Word, I pray that they would get right with you or that they would get deeper with you, whatever the need might be. We're going to open up receive those who would like to uh, who would like to respond and I pray that the response would be great, I know it's late God, your word is worth it and your son is worthy and so God protect protect us from uh, an aggravation or frustration because we took 20, 30 extra minutes, an hour extra, whatever it is God be it all to the glory of God, I'll take it I'll take it Let us respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Respond to Christ. Let's continue in worship as you respond.